basic concept in mysticism is that we are all brides, irrespective of whether we are male or female, and there is only one spouse, the eternal spouse, which is God. According to the mystics, it is not until the bride weds the supreme bridegroom that she ends the story of her tragic separation and attains immortality. We are all waiting for the auspicious moment to arrive when the bonds of our nuptial relations, relationship can be forged, when we can be bound together in everlasting wedlock with our eternal spouse. In the code of spirituality, the greater the intensity of our feeling of separation, the quicker we can bring about the fulfillment of our desire to be one with our eternal spouse. Since meditation is the means by which we can meet our beloved, the masters advise that when we sit for meditation, we should remember our beloved from the core of our heart. We should experience the pains of separations, not just talk about them, but actually experience them. For this reason, saints, seers, and masters ask us to chant or read before we meditate, a moving hymn which expresses an intense desire to be with the beloved, which expresses detachment from worldly affairs and which, ex and which speaks of an overriding desire for union with the eternal spouse. When we approach our beloved through meditation, we have to think only of one object. We have to remember only one. We have to contemplate in a form of only one to the exclusion of everything else. Meditation is a path of constancy, of single-minded devotion. But what generally happens when we sit for meditation is we think of many people, many places, many things at the same time. The result is that we either do not achieve our prime objective in life, or at any rate, we are delayed for a very long time from achieving it. If we choose to be one with the Divine Beloved, then the first thing we have to do a spiritual path to settle our priorities. Sant Kripal Singh, after matriculating or graduating from high school, had to make a decision as to what he should do in life and what should be the order of his priorities. After many days of inner debate, he came to the decision, God first and the world afterwards. And because he never went back on this decision, he achieved his goal. If we also make the same decision, then we will consider our union with the Beloved as priority number one in our life. We will attend to our worldly obligations in a spirit of detachment. If we are able to achieve such a state of mind, then surely the day will not be far off when we are able to unite with our Beloved. Speaking of his own master, Bai Nand Lao Goya said, one life-inspiring glance of yours is sufficient to enable us to attain our objective in life. We too can attain union with the eternal spouse through the benign guidance of a living master who bestows upon us the gift of, holy, of the Holy Word. In Sufi mysticism, a, master is known, a living master is known as the divine cupbearer. He is the one who intoxicates us with his lyrical glances, inebriates us with the ecstasy producing wine.
In the terminology of the Sufis and of the Urdu and Persian poets, the word wine refers to the wine of spirituality. It does not refer to the ordinary wine produced from grapes. The intoxication induced by physical wine is completely gone after three or four hours. But the wine of God, or the word of God, the wine, the wine of the love of God, is so ecstasy-producing that its effects, effects never lessen. And anyone who tastes it is intoxicated for all time. Such, indeed, is the difference between the wine pressed from grapes and that of Nam bestowed upon us by the Master. The divine cupbearer makes us drunk with the law of the eternal spouse by giving us a single drop, draft, drought, by, by affording us a conscious contact with the primeval light and sound of God on the day of initiation. He bestows the cup of immortality on us the very first meeting. As I have said in one of my verses, love is the beginning and the end both the worlds, and I have brought this immortal gift to be bestowed on all. In this ephemeral world, <clears throat> where all things have but a short life, it is the love of God alone which makes for immortality. The divine cupbearer bestows this gift of eternal love, and they bestow it with utter abandon, pouring out their pictures of divine love to all. A living master can help us attain our heart's true desire. He can make all the arrangements for our wedlock with God. But the living impulse of his attention, by his lyrical glances, he enables us to rise above body consciousness. He opens our inner eye and we see the light of God, and rising higher, merge in the radiant form of the master. After that, he guides us through the higher planes until we at last reach the supreme stage in spirituality, the stage where nuptials of the soul with the eternal spouse take place. That is the point where the drop merges with the ocean and becomes the ocean. The ray of light merges with the sun and becomes the sun. And thus, united with the beloved, we become self-oblivious self and forget all about our little selves. We attain eternal bliss, eternal peace, and eternal jubilation. This is how we can bring the tragic story of our separation to an end and restore the bride's soul to her immortal bridegroom, the eternal spouse. So now we get our first video. In our first video, Saint Rajinder Singh Ji describes the ultimate goal of love and devotion as merger of the soul and God. And so knowing the truth and being able to connect with the truth and being able to uh, have flights of the soul beyond what uh, the shackles of the body are keeping it tied to is what life is all about. 
And this is why when we dig deep into any one of our faiths, uh, there's so much emphasis on the mystical journey, the journey of the divine, the journey uh, of rising of a physical body consciousness. And all saints talk about it as a journey of love. It's a journey uh, which is full of love. It's a journey which is full of happiness and joy. It's a journey which is full of peace. Uh, we need to go on that journey. If we just stick to the body and never go on the journey, we don't know what those experiences are. And so going on the journey might seem alone in this world. But as we take steps, we'll find that there are other travelers too. We'll find that uh, we're not alone and that there are other things that make sure that we're not alone and that that is what we experience. So another one of the verses of Sandarshan Singh Maharaj is very interesting which talks about what keeps us company? Uh, he says, uh, and this is what he says, Main akela to nahi, zauke janu hai hum safar. Main akela to nahi, zauke janu hai hum safar. Zulmate shabke bhavar se launga nure se hai. So what, uh, when we translate this into English, it is, I do not journey alone. The madness of love is my traveling companion. From the darkness of night, I will bring the light of day. So what Sandarshan Singh Maharaj is saying, as we go on the spiritual journey, so he's saying, I do not journey alone. Even though when we sit to meditate, uh, we have a one-to-one -one relationship with God. We're journeying into the beyond, and we might look like we are just going alone. So he's saying it's not that I am alone. So he's saying the madness of love is my traveling companion. So what is this madness of love? Love for God, love for the Master, love that we are, I would say, smitten with, so that. At each and every moment of our life, that's what we're thinking. You know, those of you who've been uh, in love in this physical world, and you know, uh, we love our parents, we love our children, we love our siblings, we love, you know, our spouses. Uh, know that uh, as we get to know someone, and as we fall in love, then we want to spend more and more time with that person. Uh, let's say you've met some person and you've gone on a date. So you meet them, you go over, or, you know, you know, meet them over dinner, you link them. The next thing, you want them for a longer period, you want to meet them longer, you talk to them on the phone, or you spend time with them more and more and more. And, and this gives you happiness and joy. And so, it's the same thing with the connection with God. As we go on the spiritual journey, as we start to focus with Him, as we experience the revelations of the divine within, they, they bring joy and happiness and peace and calm into our life. As that happens, we want that to happen more and more and more. We want to be in that state for long periods of time. And as the connection with God gets stronger and stronger, uh, we find 
that our relationship with God becomes clearer and clearer to us. You know, right now when we are not focused on the Lord, we we might think of God as being overhead, uh, and and it's like abstract as to how we connected to the Lord. But as we experience the two primal manifestations of God, that being the divine light and the divine sound of God, then we can experience for ourselves that connection. And as that connection gets stronger and stronger and stronger, there's more calm, there's more peace, there's more happiness, there's more joy, because then we're getting closer and closer to our goals. And our goal is to have a soul merging God. And that union of our soul merging in God is the fulfillment of this very existence that we have in the human body. So that we are off the wheel of transmigration and we are one with the Creator. And so all saints and mystics have talked about uh, this madness of love. They've all talked about uh, being able to experience the love of the Lord as we sit in stillness. And so, when you read the writings of the great saints and mystics, whether they be from one tradition or another, uh, you find a commonality. And then, when we uh, go and look at examples, uh, we find examples after examples of how uh, disciples, or you can say lovers of God, or disciples of the Master, uh, want to be with the Master. In the East, we call it the Darshan. The Darshan means we are in the physical presence of the Master, uh, where we uh, want to be there. So whether it be cold, or whether it be hot, or whether it be windy, it doesn't matter. Whether uh, we are a thousand miles away, we want to be closer, and so we rush to get there. And we've seen this happen uh, in our own lives, in the lives of uh, um, Sankipal Singh Ji Maharaj and Sandarshan Singh Ji Maharaj. We, you know, as soon as uh, we have an opportunity, we want to be there, irrespective of whatever how the surroundings are. So Sandarshan Singh Maharaj, uh, as he translates this into English, is saying is, So our next reading is entitled, a lover's bargain. In this reading, Sant Rajendra Singh Ji Maharaj shares his story of a disciple who knows true devotion. Sant Rajendra Singh Ji Maharaj. The pages of history are filled with many stories of disciples who have gone to great lengths for one glance. Their stories also of the lengths disciples go, the goal to even acquire something that belonged to the Master. Nizamuddin Alviya was a master and a great Muslim saint. His most devoted disciple was Amir Khusru, a poor man whose daughter was about to be married, came to Nizamuddin Alviya and begged him for financial help. Weddings for daughters in India have traditionally been a costly affair. And since the man was poor, 
he did not know if he could provide a proper wedding. The Guru was all compassion and told the man that whatever donations came into his mission over the next three days he would give him for the girl's wedding. The man felt relieved and decided to stay with the Guru for the next three days. Unfortunately for the man, not a single donation came in over that three-day period. Finally, on the last night of the third day, when the man checked with the treasurer and found there had been no, no donations, the man began to weep bitterly. He went to Nizamuddin in a hopeless state. The Guru said, Not to worry, here, take my own pair of shoes. The man could not believe that his high hopes for enough money for the wedding had been dashed and he was only being offered a pair of worn-out shoes. The Guru said, Take these shoes for what they may be worth. They are the only possessions I have. At least you can try to sell them for a day's supply of food. The man thanked the Guru, but left sorely disappointed. As the man was returning to his village on foot, because in those days one either traveled on foot, on horse, or on camel, the man spotted a caravan. He saw a line of camels burdened with many riches. The man found out that this was the caravan of Amir Kusru, who had just retired from the king's service in Kabul and was moving all his possessions from there. Amir Kusru was leading the caravan and suddenly he said, I smell the fragrance of my beloved Guru. He did not know from where the fragrance was coming. All he saw was the poor man who had just left Nizamuddin Aliyah, traveling on the same road. Amir Kusru stopped the caravan and approached the man and asked, Who are you? Where are you coming from? The man then related his, his story, his long story of war. He explained how he had just spent three days with Nizamuddin and that he had to leave without any money. All he was given, all he has given me, said the man, was this pair of old, worn-out shoes that had little value. The man then proceeded to hold up the shoes. At this point, Kusru said, Would you sell me those shoes? The man was happy and told him that he was planning to sell them anyway in the next village, but would, not, but would sell them to him now. Kusru told him that he would pay him well for the shoes. If you give me the shoes in return, you can have my entire caravan, including all the camels and all the riches they carry. I will only keep two camels. The man was overjoyed at his good luck. He turned over the shoes and found himself proud owner of a caravan full of riches. Meanwhile, Amir Kusru proceeded to the place of his guru. With even more joy to him, the man who had suddenly inherited his caravan, Kusru embraced the shoes, holding them close to his heart. When Kusru reached Nizamuddin's abode, he bowed humbly before his master and placed the shoes before him. Nizamuddin asked, Son, how much did you pay for this old pair of shoes? Kusru said, I gave my entire caravan all my worldly possessions for these shoes. I only kept 
two camels that are standing here. Nizamuddin then told Kusru, you have paid very low price for the shoes. They were truly a bargain and you have literally paid nothing for them. The Guru then went on to explain, to find a saint who can give you initiation into the mysteries of the beyond is the greatest good fortune. The saints that are rarest, the saints are the rarest jewels in the earth, in the world. The gift of Nam, or contact with the light and sound of God, bestowed at the time of initiation, is a priceless treasure compared with it. Compared with it, the cost of your caravan is like nothing. To a worldly person, this behavior of giving away almost everything one has. For the shoes of the Guru seems outrageous. They ask the lover if he or she has lost his or her senses. As the verse says, do not ask me of the ecstasy that came to my thirsting lips. The lover merely replies that there is no answer to the question that has any logic at a world level. He or she was simply thirsty and when the cup of divine love was passed, he or she drank to his or her fill. Life takes on a different form for these intoxicated lovers. They live for the next moment when they will be lost in divine ecstasy and God's love. While they live in the world and perform their duties, they are eager for the next opportunity to drink of the godly bliss. So our next reading is entitled The Master. In this short Excerpt from Crumb of Life, Sant Kripal Singh explains the different stages of love between the spiritual master and the disciple. Seven hours curriculum to please do this. Very short reading. of love between the Sadhguru and his Sisya, the Godman and his disciple, covers many phases and many developments. It begins with respect for one knowing more than oneself. As the disciple begins to appreciate the master's disinterested dis dis solicitude for his welfare and progress, his feelings begin to soften with the dew of love, and he begins to develop faith, obedience, and reverence. With greater obedience and faith comes greater effort, and with greater effort comes greater affection for the Master. Effort and grace go hand in hand, and each in turn helps in the development of the other. Like the mother's love for her children is the love of the divine shepherd for his flock. It does not discriminate between the deserving and the undeserving, but like the mother, the depths and treasures of his love are unlocked only to those who respond and return his love. Only that? Oh, continue. Yeah. With his greater effort and greater grace,
disciple makes increased headway in his inner sadhanas, leading finally to complete transcendence of bodily consciousness. When this transcendence has been achieved, he beholds his guru waiting in his radiant form to receive and guide his spirit on the inner planes. Now, for the first time, he beholds him in his true glory and realizes the unfathomable dimensions of his greatness. Henceforth, he knows him to be more than human and his heart overflows with songs of praise and humble devotion. The higher he ascends in his spiritual journey, the more insistent is he in his praises. For he, for the more intensely does he realize that he, whom he once took to be a friend, is not merely a friend, but God himself, uh, come down to raise him up to himself. This bond of love, with its development by degrees, by, becomes the mirror of his inward progress, moving as he does from the finite to the infinite. At its initial phase, it may find analogies in earthly love that uh, between the parent and the child, friend and friend, lover and beloved, teacher and pupil. But once it has reached the point where the disciple discovers his teacher is his luminous glory within himself, all analogies are shattered and all comparisons forever left behind. All that remains is a gesture and then silence. Thank you, Thank you. So now we have another video. In this video segment, we're going to see how Santajinder Saint G. Maharaj explains the nature of the spiritual master and the role of the master power in the light of a true disciple. And so knowing the truth, and being able to connect with the truth, and being able to uh, have flights of the soul beyond what uh, the shackles of the body are keeping it tied to, is what life is all about. And this is why when we dig deep in... Uh, next section. How you get that? Oh. You started that last time. Oh. Yeah. After the prediction that you started. Yeah. And so knowing the truth and being able... Let's see. How do you go forward? I don't know. Huh? You have to fast forward it. Fast forward. Uh, what's next? Uh, huh? Zero. Huh? Fast forward. How did we get up there? And so knowing the truth and being able to connect with the truth and being able to uh, have flights of the soul beyond what uh, 
Uh, it's the volume. I'm sorry. I hit the, I hit the volume. God. Uh, How about... I don't know. Where's it supposed to be? You can listen to it again. Huh? Go to the next one. So that at each and every moment of a life, that's what we're thinking. Pull it some more. What? Drag, drag it over some more. Mm-hmm. All saints and mystics have talked about what happened? Uh, this madness of love. They've all talked about. Oh, I don't know how to do it. Gable. What is it then? Is there a way? Uh, Yeah, let's hear it again. Hear it again. Yeah, it's not short anyway, so... Oh, okay. And so knowing the truth... Yeah, I mean, just look at it again. Maybe I will play through. Yeah. Uh, uh, have faiths of the soul beyond uh, what uh, the shackles of the body are keeping attached to, because what life is all about. And this is where I'm going to dig deep into any one of the Uh, in love in the physical world and you know uh, in the 
love our parents, we love our children, we love our successes, we love you know, our spouses. Uh, know that uh, as we get to know someone and as we fall in love, then we want to spend more and more time with that person. Uh, let's say you've met some person and you've gone on a date. So you meet them and you go over, over you know, you meet them over dinner and link them. Next thing, you want them for a longer period. I want to meet them longer. You talk to them on the phone, or you spend time with them more and more and more. And, and this gives you happiness in your life. And so, it's the same thing with the connection with God. As we go on the spiritual journey, as we start to focus with Him, as we experience the revelations of the divine with Him, they, they bring joy and happiness and peace and calm your life. And that happens, we want that to happen more and more and more. We want to be rested for long periods of time. And as the connection with God gets stronger and stronger, uh, we find that our relationship with God becomes clearer and clearer to us. You know, right now, when we are not focused on God, we, we might think of God as being overhead, uh, and, and it's like abstract as to how we connected to the Lord. But as we experience the two primal manifestations of God, that being the divine light and the divine sound of God, then we can experience for ourselves that connection. And as that connection gets stronger, and stronger and stronger. There's more calm, there's more peace, there's more happiness, there's more joy. We're getting closer and closer to our goals. And our goal is to have a soul merging God. And that union of our soul merging in God is the fulfillment of this very existence that we have in the human body. So that we are off the wheel of transmigration and we are one with the Creator. And so all saints and mystics have talked about uh, this madness of love. They've all talked about uh, being able to experience the love of the Lord as we sit in stillness. And so when you read the writings of the great saints and mystics, whether they be from one tradition or another, uh, you find a commonality. And then when we uh, go and look at examples. Uh, we find examples after examples of how uh, disciples, or you can say lovers of God, or disciples of the Master, uh, want to be with the Master. In the East we call it the Darshan. The Darshan means we are in the physical presence of the Master. Uh, where we uh, want to be there. So whether it be cold, or whether it be hot, or whether it be windy, it doesn't matter. Uh, we are a thousand miles away, we want to be closer, and so we rush to get there. We've seen this happen uh, in our own lives, in the lives of uh, um, Santipal Singh Ji Maharaj and Sambhrishan Singh Ji Maharaj. You know, as soon as uh, we have an opportunity, we want to be there, we just prepare whatever our surroundings are. Sandarshan Singh Ji Maharaj, uh, as we translate this into English, is saying, he says, Mehik, behold your radiant face, shone of its veil. 
May my thirsting eyes receive the wine of your illumined glasses. Darshan is lost in waiting for this divine miracle. So when we try to understand this verse, Sant Darshan Singh Ji Maharaj is, is using uh, one of the examples which was prevalent in the times that he was growing up. You know, in some traditions, uh, the woman put a veil in front of their face. And, and the veil is only supposed to be removed by the husband in the privacy of their chambers. And it's a sacrilege if anyone else uh, sees the woman behind the veil. And so that's very common in, in that tradition. It was common in India in those days. And so Sandarshan Singh Ji Maharaj is taking that example for us to understand the master power. And so he's saying like, Mehe, um, behold your radiant face shown of his will. So he's saying there's the veil in front of the master. And what is that? Is that there's a body and we don't see the master power. He's saying, let me see you as you truly are. Let me experience you as the power, not as the body. The body can be seen by me, but this is a veil because the true master is not the body, but the power which works for the body. So he's saying, please be gracious on me and, and let me see you in your glory. Just like Rani Hindumati, when she saw Kabisam in his full bloom, in his glory, realized who he was. So that's like a request that has been made here. Atade, Chedai Anwarse, Gyapat Ki Nikabudgan. So saying that your face is heavenly, okay? but you have a veil in front of your face, and because all I see is your physical face. So please remove this veil so I can see your spiritual uh, being, so I can experience the spiritual being, so that I can experience reality as it is. And then he says, Mile Pyasi Nazar Ko Tere Jalmo Ki Sharabidgan. He's saying, May my thirsting eyes receive the wine of your aluminum glasses. So he's talking about the thirst that we need to have in our soul. Uh, there's an example about uh, a young man. A young man uh, uh, wanted to uh, experience God. And so he's getting help and he's trying to meditate and uh, he's trying to get to the written form of his master. And he's not getting there. And so he's looking around, he's seeking help from others who've been on the path. And so he goes to, uh, you know, someone who's been on the path a long time to seek some suggestions. He's saying, you know, I'm meditating, I'm not going to the uh, ready form of the master. What should I do? So the other initiated who'd been there long time initiated gave him a suggestion. And the suggestion was very unusual. He says, uh, you know, I want to try something. He says, Okay, Friday night, eat food with a lot of salt in it. And after you eat food with a lot of salt, don't drink any water. 
train and see what happens to you. So the young man is very unusual uh, request. Because, you know, we're not told in the parable to see less salt or more salt. And he's telling me, well, he's an old initiate, he must know what he's talking about. Because he eats the food, a lot of salt in it, doesn't drink any water, goes to sleep. All night long he's dreaming about water. He's thirsty. Gets up in the morning, he calls the guy up, he says, you know, all night long I was thinking about water. And so the person says, now, if you think about the master like this all the time, you'll definitely get to the radio from the master. So Sandarshan Siddhi Maharaj is also telling us that our thirst, he's saying, make my thirsting eyes, he's saying, there's thirst in my eyes. And when he's talking about these eyes, he's, he's also talking about his soul. That there is thirst in it which needs to be quenched. Because I'm thirsty to know you, O oh Lord. I'm thirsty to be with you, O oh God. I'm thirsty so that I can be totally satiated. And so he's saying, uh, May my thirsting I receive the wine of your illumined glances. Was a very beautiful. That the glances of the master are such that they will intoxicate us. Because you are one with God. And, and so the intoxication that comes from you, my eyes are thirsting for it. And another place, Sandarshan Singhi Maharaj, very beautiful, he said, from the eyes of the master to the eyes of the disciple, from the heart of the master to the heart of the disciple, from the soul of the master to the soul of the disciple, that's the connection we want. Everything else is like coming and going, like ships passing in the night. So we need like a strong connection. We need a bonding which is going to last and last and last. So he's praying for that. He's saying, my eyes are thirsting. So please pour in the divine wine which is coming from an illumined eyes. Just like Sankapal Singh Maharaj said, two-thirds of spirituality comes from the eyes of the master. It's only one-third that comes from books and readings and, and listening to satsangs and everything else. And this is why so much emphasis on being in the physical presence of the master is put on this path of Sankhma. Because it's, it's by being there that this picture radiation you know, takes care of layers and layers of mind-matter illusion which are covering our soul. And this is why you saw, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people flock to this great master. So that they could get a glimpse of them, they could be in that state where their layers which were surrounding their soul would be peeled off. And so Sandarshan Singhji Maharaj is saying like, you know, I am thirsting to know the Lord. So please shower your spiritual energy on me so that my thirst can be quenched. And then he says, Darshan is lost waiting for this divine miracle. You know, a satsangi, a true satsangi only wants the darshan of the master. Either on the outside but more on the inside. We won't get to the radiant form of the master within because that is our guide who will guide us and take our soul and, and merge it in God. So that's what a true sasangi wants. So if, if a sasangi has an option, like it says, 
oh, you have this difficulty to pass through, and this difficulty to pass through, and then you can get to the reading from the master, a true sadhana, say, I don't care whatever difficulties there in the world, I, I'm, I'm willing to pass through it, I want to see the radiant form of the master. So nothing else compares to that experience because that experience is what propels us towards our goal and that's where we all need to be. You know, ups and downs of life are a part of it. You know, sometimes the business won't run well, sometimes you know, finances are going kaput, sometimes we have physical ailments, sometimes relationships don't work as we like them to work. Those are all parts of life, they're ups and downs of life. Those people only focus in those arena, they never reach their goals. And so true disciple doesn't care about them. They're just there. A true disciple wants to be with the radiant form of the master villain. Because they realize that if we are with that form, then we are on the way back to God. Then we are guided towards our goal. And so as we all gather here, uh, this holiday program. May uh, the love and the light that we all received through the three great mass in the past century, Azur Baba Savan Singh Ji Maharaj, Param Chandrapal Singh Ji Maharaj, and the gracious Master Sandarshan Singh Ji Maharaj, uh, may that love and light be the guiding force in our life. May we experience that on a daily basis so that we are uplifted from the physical to the divine. You know, all of us who have been initiated can definitely get to it. It's a question of focusing our attention in the right arena. It's a question of finding the time on a daily basis. The question of uh, putting in the effort and the grace will come in. Sandarshan Singh Ji Maharaj often say, this path is a path of grace and effort. It's the grace of God that we are on the path. And then when we put a little effort, then we get more grace. And when we get more grace, then we are more happy, we want to put in more of an effort, we get more grace. And so the arts are going to complete the circle uh, when we reach our goal. And it's the grace of these great masses, the grace of God, that as we pass this life, our attention is focused on the divine. And I'm sure that with their guidance, we'll all reach our goals in this great life. Thank you. of Guru Bhakti. In our final reading, Sant Rajinder Singh Ji Maharaj explains the nature of Guru Bhakti, our devotion to the spiritual master. May I ask David to please read. Singh, when we talk of Guru Bhakti or devotion, we are speaking of doing our homework as prescribed by the Master so that we can graduate. Graduation means our soul merges back in God. In order to reach our communion, we need to put our whole attention into the spiritual path. How can we do this? The world is calling us continually. 
Our control in the three lower worlds wants to keep our souls down here to populate these regions. It does not want souls to return to God. Thus it lays many a temptation in our path to keep us here. How can the Master help us out of the clutches of this power? He has only one tool in his bag. He has to offer us a greater love than any we can receive in the world. He has to fill us with more intoxication and bliss than any offered by worldly temptations. It is through the power of love that the Guru can take us home. The Guru or Master is not trying to keep us, trying to get us to love Him, but to love God. The Master is trying to have us follow the spiritual teachings, but God is so abstract to many. They have never seen God nor spoken to God. As spirit, God is invisible to us. It is hard to develop love for someone we have never seen nor met. So how can we develop enough love for God strong enough to entice us from the love of transitory pleasures? God is wondrous and has thought of a very masterful way to get us to love the Lord. He sends us love through the vehicle of the Master. It is through the Master that we taste God's love. It is through the Master we receive the intoxication of God's love. It is through the Master that we find a love greater than any in this world. It is not the love coming from a physical being, but through the, physi but through the physical being. Note the distinction. Unless we are clear on this, we do not fully understand what a, ma a Master is. When we turn on the light in our house, we do not get electric bill from the bulb company. We get it from the electric power plant that generates the electricity. The bulb only acts as an agent or vehicle through which the light can shine. We need the bulb, we appreciate the bulb, we respect the bulb, but the real electricity is coming from the power plant. Similarly, the power of the master is the bulb or body of the master is the bulb or the agent by which the powerhouse of God can be transmitted to us. It flows through the vehicle of the master to us. Thus we respect the master, but we do not worship the master. We know that the real power is coming from God. But since we cannot see God directly on a physical level, because our physical eyes can only see what is made of matter, we can see into the eyes of the Master, for therein is revealed God's love. In the eyes of the Master is the intoxication of God's ocean of bliss. In the eyes of the Master is the loving parent calling us home. We cannot hear God speak directly because our ears are only made to hear sound vibrations of this material world. But we can hear what God wants to say to us through the satsangs or words of the Masters. Listen to the satsang of any perfect Master and you will find one message. Soul, know yourself and know God, and you can do so through meditation on the light and sound of God and by developing the ethical virtues. That is the essence of what they have all taught. 
That is a simple and clear message that God wants to tell us. The only way we will listen to these words is if we feel some attraction to the one conveying the message. God sends his love through the vehicle of the master to attract us to the satsang so God can remind us of what we need to do to return to our true parent. Thus God has set up a play of love between master and disciple. This play of love serves one purpose, to keep the disciple inspired and moved to do what is needed to return to God. When we love someone, we tend to take their advice. Through love, people are inspired to meditate and lead ethical lives. The Master is the power of God's love flowing out of us, out to us. Guru Bhakti is our response to that love. That response is what we reciprocate the love to God. But since we cannot at our level see God, we express it to God through the vehicle of the Master. We need to be very clear on this as well. When we love the Master, we are loving the God power that flows through Him. If we take it that we are loving God, then we will speed on our spiritual journey back to God. Closing meditation. Meditation is a process whereby we withdraw our attention from the outer world and concentrate at the seat of the soul. Through this method of concentration, we can transcend physical consciousness, experience ourselves as soul, and explore higher spiritual regions. To practice meditation, we sit in any pose that we find most comfortable, in which we can sit for a long time without moving. We should sit with enough distance between us so that no part of our body touches anyone as this will would disturb our concentration. We should close our eyes gently and look straight ahead, focusing our attention in the middle of the darkness lying in front of us. That which sees the darkness is not our physical eyes, but is the third or single eye located between and behind the eyebrows. Continue to gaze into the middle of whatever lies in front of you. Those of you who are initiated should re mentally repeat the five charged names given to you at the time of initiation. Repeat those names slowly with the tongue of thought. For those of you who are new here, please repeat any name 